All right, today, so we're going to talk about proper pre-race prep for premium performance. <laughs> Say that again, Brad? Proper pre-race prep for premium triathlon performance. Five times now, fast. Proper pre-race prep for premium performance. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. We must have made it, Dale. We've had our first hater. We had our first internet troll on <laughs> on the YouTube channel. You can go check out the last podcast and see that uh, he put a little angry message in there for us. I held back, though. We did. We were, we were good with that. All right, today, so we're going to talk about Proper pre-race prep for premium performance. <laughs> Say that again, Brian? Proper pre-race prep for premium triathlon performance. Five times now, fast. Proper pre-race prep for premium performance. All right. That's not going to happen. No. So we're talking about what you should do the day before an A race. We're, gonna, we're making an assumption here, and we're going to assume that if this is your goal race, that you are there a day early. Normally, that's what you would do unless it's like in your own hometown and you get to sleep in your own bed. But if for most people, you're traveling there and you have a day in advance to yeah. get things done. Yeah. So if like races on Sunday, you're getting there Friday. We're going to discuss what you would do Saturday. Correct. But first, I am Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com. Check us out on YouTube and Facebook at buildpeakcompete and all up on that Instagram at bpcperformance. Eight out of ten, fun. I know it was a little bit of a stutter to begin with, but that can get clipped, right, in the post processing. We can try. There know. we go. All right, so you are going to an A race triathlon specifically today. You're there a day early. What should you do to set yourself up for success? We're going to break this down into little goals and then elaborate on each one. Yeah, we'll hit, try to, hit him with the old cliff note bullet point to start with. Yeah, so. Here's the points that we're going to be working with for premium performance. One, your goal is to stay sharp. You're not trying to build fatigue. Two, you are going to do some course recon and finalize your race strategy. Three, you're going to check all of your equipment. Make sure that everything's working well, that you have everything. That will kind of move into checking in your equipment yep. and doing some recon as far as the transition area goes. And then we're going to go into fueling and hydration the day prior. And then finally, get them Z's. Sleep. Z's, Z's, Z's. All right. So here we go. First one, your goal is to stay sharp. You do not want to build fatigue. What you would be doing on that day while you might do some efforts, they should not be enough to really add load, add fatigue to your legs. Yeah, think about opening opening the systems up, turning on those energy systems, but nothing that is going to layer on fatigue. So any harder effort is going to be shorter in duration 
and then you want extended spinning, easier effort recovery between those efforts. So you're not going out and saying, okay, tomorrow I've got to say it's an Olympic. I'm not going to go out and do three by twenties at max effort on my, on my bike to wake things up. You could, but it wouldn't <laughs> go well. So let's just little real quick. Most of the time, unless you are a person that knows for a fact that you need a rest day before a big race, you're going to be doing some sort of a workout. A rest day before a race is not the worst thing in the world, but I find that, and I think you'd agree with this, that most people who are highly trained do better with a little bit of exercise the mm -hmm. day before. Yeah, if your body has been used to working out more than not working out, you don't want to shock the system by having a day off. You'll probably notice in training too, if you find out you're flat after a rest day, you are someone that wants to get something in the day before. Now we've had a small percentage of people that, you know, they much prefer being fully rested and just getting a better warm up the morning of. But for the vast majority, getting something in not only helps with the nerves, but also helps the body stay awake. Yeah. So as far as the swim goes, you really shouldn't do much more than 10 to 15 minutes of swimming. You might get you might get a thousand yards if you're like kind of a highly trained person. Really, your goal is just to get the feel for the water, get in your wetsuit, make sure that you know how to get it on properly, uh, that it feels good. You probably should have tested this prior. Maybe if you've gained or lost weight, that wetsuit might fit a little differently. That's your goal for the swim workout. Bike, similar. You really should only be going out. I usually don't give anybody more than 45 minutes, no matter the distance of the race. 45 minutes, a few like 30 second to one minute openers at your race effort. Rarely will we go above race effort the day before a race. Short, sweet, few efforts to open it up. The rest of the time is spinning. You might spend a lot of time in arrow just to make sure that your arrow position is nice and dialed, but nothing more than that. On the run, same thing. We call it, I usually call it a little shakeout run. You might get 10 to 20 minutes worth and you'll do maybe a couple of pickups, but your pickups are never more than your race pace. So real simple, you are, you end up doing on the high end an hour to an hour and 15 minutes of total training the day before a big race. And if it's an Ironman or something like that, look, you're used to doing six plus hours of training in a day. So you're not going to add a bunch of fatigue by doing an hour and 15 minutes of super easy exercise broken up. Exactly. That's kind of the big caveat to this whole thing. If you're someone doing your first sprint triathlon, it's probably going to be a little bit different. Yeah. If you're doing your first sprint, it's going to be much shorter. You might get, generally speaking, I, would, I usually give people like 10 minutes of each or 15 just to keep it simple for them. 10 minutes to swim, 10 minutes of bike, 10 minutes to run, you know, just to keep things moving. And most of the time, beginners, they feel really good about doing a little mini try the day before yep. a, a triathlon. So yeah, it's going to be scaled based on what you're doing. But the idea here is very short, no more than race effort, very short race effort intervals. And then you're easy, done. Easy between. Yep. So then after that, you want to stand around and chat with your friends the rest of the day, correct? 100%. You want to walk around the city that you're in as much as possible. Go to the expo. Yep. Stand and look at all the nice things there are to purchase that day. 
No, <laughs> get off your feet. Get off your feet as soon as you can after you've done your workouts. I know there's going to be some, there's always some walking involved in check-ins and stuff like that, but get off your feet. That's your best bet. You can do things like foam rolling and all the recovery things, the boots, there's a million different recovery modalities these days. But the goal, again, you stay sharp, don't add load. And for most people, if you end up walking five miles around the city that you're in, is going to add a lot of load. Yeah, this is not the day to hit all your steps. It's not the <laughs> don't, it's not don't. the day to sightsee. No, save that for the day after. Yeah. There you go. That's goal number one. Stay sharp. Don't build fatigue. Yeah, you want to finish that. Everything you've done, you want to finish feeling like you had a ton left in the system and like you did too little, really. 100%. Goal number two, do your course recon. This is, I would say, a very commonly skipped step that makes a ton of difference in your race. So your goal is to do course recon and then use that course recon to finalize your racing strategy. Which is key for out-of-town events. Like if you're a local, you should have already done this a lot during your training. Yeah, you're probably training on the course. But if you're like a lot of folks and you're using Google Maps combined with Ride with GPS or Strava or whatever to get the elevation profile, those are often not correct. So what you may think is a 3% climb could end up being a 8% climb. Yeah, and or that's it, the point of the course recon. Yeah, or it can have a 3% one mile climb can still have a 10% pitch in it that doesn't really show up on a Yeah, on a which profile. would impact gear selection, like whether you're in big ring or small ring. Yeah. It can make a big difference there. So we'll break this down swim, bike, and run real quick. In the swim, your goal at minimum is to go spot the swim, pick out certain sighting markers that are not buoys. So if you're standing on the shoreline, you can look out toward, they usually have the swim course already laid out. Look out toward the swim course, pick some things up on the shoreline, buildings, trees, those types of things that you're going to be able to sight other than the buoys in case you're sighting into the sun or sometimes at just at that, when the sun's kind of peeking at mm-hmm. the reflection from the water makes it really hard to see like orange buoys. Yeah. Or if everyone has an orange swim cap on, and the buoys are orange, it makes it really hard to sight. So pick up some other things on the shoreline. If you can get around the swim course and kind of re-angle yourself to the other turn buoys, you can do the same thing for the full swim course. So pick up, go go spot the course, pick your sighting markers, and then after that, just kind of familiarize yourself with the water. Make sure it's wet. It's It should still be wet. Depth. Yeah, that's another, you have to familiarize yourself with the start. Sometimes it's a floating start. Sometimes you're running in off a beach. Can you dive or not? Yeah, you need to pick a, pick the spot in the water where you can start to dive in, dolphin dive or whatever. I've seen a lot of races where people dive in too early and they put their head in the sand. So familiarize yourself with the water, but that really means like the start, how you're going to start the race. One thing I will note in there while you're doing your swim course recon is if you are doing it in the afternoon and the race is in the morning and it's super choppy and swelly and windy, don't freak out because oftentimes the water is so much more calm in the morning than it is in the afternoon. I've been to certain races where I've gone out and done the swim familiarization. This happens a lot in the Great Lakes and it is just 
you're like, I don't know, like it's like a washing machine and you're just getting thrown all over the place. And you think to yourself, how am I ever going to do this? How am I going to get through this swim? Even as a confident. No need to tour the the bike recon. No need for bike recon because yeah. I'm dying in that water. But inevitably in the morning, it's not as windy. It's usually fine. How much in general does water temp change? From afternoon to morning, or does that just depend depends on, on location? Time. Depends on the depth of the lake. In in something like the Great Lakes or something that's real deep ocean, that sort of thing, temps water temps not going to swing a ton overnight. But in something like the lake at Shelby Farms, where the deepest part is thirteen feet, that lake can swing ten degrees overnight. If it's been hot during the day, but cool at night, it can drop quite a bit okay. pretty fast. So, yeah, you kind of have to monitor whether it's going to be wetsuit legal or not. But that, if they take te- water temps in the afternoon, they take in the morning, it could easily be five, five degrees, mm-hmm. 10 degrees cooler. Big thing there is if the water is nasty in the afternoon when you're going to check it out, don't freak out. It's, it'll be fine in the morning. All right. So, moving to the bike, you kind of talked about it a little bit. But I always tell people to drive the bike course if you're doing a long course race drive the bike course, and then take your bike with you, obviously. And if there are any major climbs on the course to get out and spin those climbs really easy so that you can basically do your gear selection for those climbs ahead of time and just make sure that you have the gearing for those climbs. It's I think you have some experience doing races with the wrong gearing. Of too many, actually, too many races. <laughs> like having, basically having... A 23 <laughs> yeah. to go up a 18, 20% grade, it's not great. And you, that was working under the presumption that it was not nearly as steep as what I thought. I looked at a Strava segment on one of these and it said it was like an 8% average. I'm like, okay, 8% average. I know I can ride that in the gearing I've got. And then I got there and it was like 12.5% average with the steep parts at like 16 plus. And it's yeah. like, I'm pedaling at 50 RPMs, which is not good. Yeah, it's not like... Not to go on a tangent here, but with a gearing, you want to keep the gearing as tight as you can, meaning smaller jumps between cogs on the cassette. But you also want enough, you want enough high end, low, high end. You, know? you want enough high end to be able to not have to go super low cadence on the climbs. And you want the low end to be able to still have a little bit of pressure on the downhills. You can lose a ton of, of, time on downhills if you have no gears left and you just got the coast and everyone and other people can actually still put pressure on the downhills so you're checking that kind of thing not that you can really most people can't really make gear changes last minute as far, especially as far as front chain ring goes but yeah you, if you have multiple cassettes yeah, with if you, you if you bring multiple cassettes and you have the tools to change those you can yeah, it's make long. make a change yeah it's and also important is are you going to be riding this in big ring or small ring like if you're on a, a two by front crank set what do i need to shift if so you don't want to shift under load so if you know a steeper climb is coming you will know that okay at this mile marker I'm going to make sure I go in small ring because around this corner is a hill and I don't want to be shifting under load and risking dropping my chain. Yeah. So you're also, you're also noting like major turns, tough Mm -hmm. ones, and then road surfaces and stuff like that, where, you know, there's like a pothole or the road gets really like chip seal or crappy or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it is, there is no better advantage 
than to know the course ahead of time. On our course in Memphis 70.3, I have ridden that that route so many times. I know exactly where to push, where to get recovery, even with the wind changing, like in different directions. It's just a huge advantage. So at minimum, go drive the course. Mm. And then you can pretty you can be pretty sure that if your car has to downshift <laughs> going <laughs> up a grade, you're oh. probably going to be in an easy gear. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing I'm doing when I'm course re- reconning for a bike is like what hills can I push and what are going to be better to be much more sustained and under control. If there's a short little kicker that has a downhill afterwards, you can expend more energy to keep your speed up. If there's a short kicker that is into a false flat uphill, that's not one where you want to spike it, redline the heart rate because you're not going to get recovery over the top. So just making small notes like that can be can be very advantageous. And that's where it rolls into finalizing your race strategy. So you're getting all this information from the course. You might change your gearing. You might decide that you can push a specific hill harder because there's a ensuing downhill that's pretty fast. Like those are the things in your race strategy that should be noted and changed rather than I'm going to ride steady 220 watts mm-hmm. for this whole, like it doesn't, you, your fastest time doesn't come about by riding steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The highest average power is not necessarily the fastest way to ride a course. No. And take little notes. Like you can even tape that to your, to your bars. Like that's something you can have as little cues for while you're out there. We don't expect you to remember an entire Ironman course, but if you have these little key points, mile 76, this, mile 82, this, it's going to be a nice thing for you to have comfort in knowing what's coming up ahead. And it helps break it into segments, which can can help mentally as well. Sure. On the run, it's pretty much the same thing. You can run some of it if you're going to do your run workout for that day, run a little bit of it. But a lot of times I'll tell people to do their bike workout, the majority of their bike workout on the run course, if they can get on it, otherwise drive it or whatever, getting as much information from that course as possible, the same way you did the bike. And that may, you may change your mind on where you need to push or where you can push and where you can kind of roll a downhill or a downhill may not be steep enough for you to actually get recovery or it maybe it's so steep it's going to hurt a little bit and those mm-hmm. are the things that you kind of you can make changes in your mind ahead of time or if like the beginning of the run is going to be straight up a hill you might want to bring your heart rate down a little bit more coming off the bike yeah that's a big one yeah for sure course recon it's one of the most important things you can do the day before and you can do it multiple days if you're there for a week before you can do it anytime but do course recon at some point it will, it's going to reduce a lot of stress and build confidence for your race day. 100%. Yep, definitely. All right. So we've done our course recon. After that, we do want to do equipment check. So while you were doing it, you probably had some equipment check going on. Are my gears shifting right? Yeah. A lot of the mechanical things for your bike will happen during your workout and course recon. But you want to make sure that when you are done with that, you check check your tires for little pieces of wire. That's a big one. Or rocks or whatever. Yep. Check those things. How many times have you woken up race day with a flat tire? Way too many. Yep. Way too many. It's kind of crazy how many times. <laughs> and it's always when I check my bike. It's mm-hmm. never at the house. Mm-hmm. It's always like the times that I go 
to a big race and I have to check my bike in, I come, I roll in and, and I have one tire that's flat. It's going to happen at some point. You race enough, you're going to have that happen to you. So just check your tires for things. Big one, charge your batteries, folks. Yeah, it's a proven fact that 95% of the time, if your batteries are going to run out on your shifting on your bike, it is at your A priority race. It will be, yeah, it will be on race day for sure. <laughs> Second shift. Yeah. So the other parts of checking equipment is just making sure that you have all of the thing. You probably had a massive list to pack before you, before you came, but making sure that all that stuff is prepared and then it goes into packing like your special needs bags and making sure that you have all of your race nutrition that you need in those bags and then packing your transition bags and making sure that all of your equipment is laid out properly in those bags. Again, you pack those bags in reverse of the thing. If you want to put something on first, it needs to be the last thing in the bag. Think through it like that. But making sure that those bags are packed the day before. I don't leave anything to chance the morning of. All I want to do the morning of is get up, eat, roll into the race, and go. I don't want to have to pack things. So all of my nutrition is mixed. If it's if I want it to be cold, I'll keep it in the fridge. But otherwise, it's already in those special needs bags. In my transition bags, everything is ready to rock the day before. And that's where checklists are huge. Like even before your trip, if you can, like if I'm leaving on a Friday morning to go to a race, I want everything packed Thursday night. So you're not messing with that. And I want a checklist where I can just go straight through it and say, okay, as it goes in the bag, I'm checking it off. And that just helps with stress for one, but there's nothing more stressful than doing it all in your brain and getting to a race and going, oh, helmet. <laughs> well, that's not good. Yeah, right. The So once the equipment has been checked, and I usually do a little clean, like I usually clean my bike a little bit. Clean, I like a clean bike. Clean bike, fast bike. That's right. So I usually do a little clean cleaning of the bike. I might shift or swap a chain or something and just make sure usually I'll swap a chain before the recon just to make sure it's all sized right and whatnot, but just check that all that kind of stuff. And then you have to realize that you have to check that, check your bike in. Generally speaking, you can go and check in early and get your, you check in and you get your transition bags and you get all that stuff, your chip and all that. You can do that like any point in the day at some point you have to go back and check in your bike. So generally speaking, one of those two times, whether you are checking in as the athlete or checking your bike in, you need to make sure that you look over the transition area. One, you're probably, your spot in transition is probably numbered. You're probably not going to get to choose unless you're at a smaller local race. You're not going to get to choose where you put your bike. So find that spot make sure you mark it some way. We've talked about this in another podcast about fast transitions. Make sure you mark your spot. You know where it is. If it's a massive transition area, there'll probably be letters and numbers on the rows. And you have to remember when you're coming in, what row you're on. And then you have some sort of marking to know where your space is. Because when you come out of the water, you're not always of sound mind. So... Make sure you know where your spot is. The other big things to remember are, or note, where you're going to be coming in from the swim, where you're going to be leaving out on the bike, coming in from the bike, and then leaving out on the run. 
So all those ent entrances and exit points, you need to make sure that you note those so you don't try to run the wrong way on, on race day. So you have now checked your equipment. You've checked it in, checked out transition. So total recon is done. You are going to the point where I am now officially going to get off my feet for the rest of the day. So let's talk about fueling and hydration. The, this is oftentimes messed up by a lot of people. Even seasoned vets screw up the day before fueling and hydration. We're going to keep it really simple for you. One, eat normally. That's a huge one. Which, And that's part of the reason like people ask what we eat on race day and it's pretty much the same thing I eat all the time and it's something that I know I can pack myself and bring in advance so I just know it's going to be the same thing I know how my body handles it so breakfast the day before the race is going to be the same as breakfast on race day and I'm bringing that with me I'm not relying on the continental breakfast at the hotel that I'm at please to provide me with the fueling that I'm going to have the day before and also Race day. Like, I want to control as much of that as I can. So I eat Taco Bell for lunch every day. I know I can get Taco <laughs> Bell anywhere. You can get Taco Bell anywhere. <laughs> Please do not leave your race pre-race breakfast up to powdered eggs and... Fake cheese. Mystery meat. Just bring it yourself. Whatever you've been eating every morning during your long sessions, bring that, eat that. I think it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. Yep. Make sure you are also eating eating regularly and you're not running a deficit. You aren't doing a ton of training that day, but you still need consistent carbs coming in. And that doesn't mean gorge yourself. It's the whole like, I'm going to eat the big pasta meal. The Don't do that. The provided pasta meal the night before. Bad idea. I love some fettuccine Alfredo. Yeah, not a good thing. Well, and it can be deceiving like how much time you may end up be like you may end up spending at a venue like if you're going to do your workout you're going to do your packet pickup beforehand you're going to do the check-in like you could be there for quite a while kind of plan that out in advance and do you need more snacks to have with you do you need to eat right prior to doing that or delaying when you go do that just to make sure you're not going to go six hours without having food or having much food yeah, All of that's going to put you in a deficit the day before, and then you may end up in a spot where, oh, I didn't eat much today. Now it's 6, 7 o'clock at night, and you're trying to put in a massive meal to catch up on calories. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, you don't want to leave the bulk of your calories for right before you go to sleep. I think it's safe to, I think it's safe to also say, don't try new stuff. Well, when you're walking around an expo, and there's a lot of new stuff that you've been hearing about, and you've got free access to it. Yeah. It can be tempting. It can be tempting. Well, I mean, going in and doing the the coconut curry with with the highest level of spice. This would be the only bad time to do that. The, just whatever you normally have been eating, mm -hmm. and I would recommend, even if you really love spicy food like I do, keep it fairly bland. That's the hardest thing for don't me. Don't risk. Yeah. Don't risk eating something that is going to screw your stomach up. I absolutely love sushi. But would I eat sushi the night before a big race? No. The risk of getting food poisoning is too high for too me. Too high. 
too high, Regre- regardless of what TripAdvisor told you about that sushi establishment. It was a really good Yelp review, yep. but <laughs> I got sick. By the owner. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't. Don't eat new stuff. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You said at the beginning you were going to keep it simple. Eat what you've been eating at regular time intervals. And then on the hydration side, is this the day to drink two gallons of water to make sure all the that your body's fully hydrated? No, no, it's not. You should not be smashing water all day long. You should, however, though, be carrying electrolytes in all of your fluids. I'll say that again. Carry electrolytes in all of your fluids, even if you aren't sure if you need it or not. Like Brian said, there's a good chance you're going to be standing outside for a long time. I've definitely had, (laughs) I've had days before races where I've ended up with really bad sunburn because I wasn't paying attention to it, didn't realize how long I was outside. And then end of the day, I was like, oh man, I got burnt. And sunburn dehydrates you. Like not just the fact that you weren't drinking water, weren't drinking enough fluids. When your skin gets burnt, your body tries to rehydrate that skin by taking more water out of the cells. So if you end up with sunburn, you are sure to be dehydrated to some level. So bring electrolytes and sunscreen with you to the expos, especially if you know you're going to be standing in line, which generally speaking, you will be at some point. So carry electrolytes with you. That's what your fluid should be, not monsters, Diet Cokes, that sort of thing. It should be water and electrolytes. Yep. And you can go listen to our other podcasts on proper hydration and we'll beat a dead horse about the importance of the electrolytes in the drinks. There's a few as opposed to just straight water when it comes to the day before and actually during exercise. So if it is in fact a hot environment, hot race, it's been hot the day before and you know it's going to be hot the day after during your race, we recommend doing an evening preload. And all that is you're taking a basically a pint glass, 16 to 32 ounces and you're putting in a concentration of at least 1,000 milligrams per liter. We usually use 1,500 just because it's easiest for us using the Precision Fuel and Hydration products. We'll throw in a 1,500 tablet and just chug that the night before. And that just makes sure that you're, the well is topped off. Yep. You have, you're starting with high blood sodium. Your body's going to uptake a lot of that sodium and then also pull more water into the bloodstream. So you're starting on a great level. And then I'll probably do that the morning of too. Yep. But we're talking about the day before. There you go. I think that covers it for fuel and hydration. For the most part, we could beat the horse, but trying to keep it simple here. Last but not least, the toughest part of the day before, getting to sleep. Yeah. So... Once you have all of your stuff checked off, do your best not to get OCD and recheck and recheck. Make sure if you have your list, it's all good. Just throw your jams on, sit down, pick pick a movie you've seen a million times, and then try to get some sleep. Mm. It's usually not easy. We usually recommend getting your best sleep the night before the night before. Yep. Follow me. Two nights before? Yeah, two nights before. But... You need some sleep. The more sleep you get, the better. And you're probably going to be waking up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning anyways. So 
getting to bed a little bit earlier is going to help you be ready to rock the next morning. Yep, definitely. Yeah, don't. that's not the night to be the, the night owl. You don't want to be down at the bar <laughs> trying to chat with people about the next day's strategy. Should, that should have already happened. Should we make beer recommendations for the uh, night before? If you guys want beer recs, let us know in the comments, and we'll <laughs> we'll do a podcast separate for that light. one. <laughs> Very light. Almost like water I'm, with salt in it. One thing to add on the fuel and hydration. I know there's a lot of folks, if you're only doing one hour of training in a day, that may not be something where you're eating calories on. Again, we don't want you getting into a deficit at any point in time. So you should be fueling as well during your exercise. So make sure you're eating if you're on the bike. Make sure you're drinking during your, like, go through that. Don't run a deficit when you're doing your openers. Yeah. If you ever run into me at a race expo, you will probably notice that I'll have a giant water bottle in my hand, and I've probably got my pockets filled with snacks. I just don't, I don't want to take the chance of being there too long and then getting hungry or getting dehydrated. So go carry it everywhere. So last little recap, stay sharp. Don't build mm-hmm. fatigue. Do your course recon, swim, bike, and run, and transition area. Make sure you check through all your equipment. Get all your bags packed. Use your checklist. Charge your batteries. Check your tires. All that good stuff. Check that bike in. Make sure that you're getting your fueling simple. Simple fueling. Normal fueling. Nothing more. We don't need less. Correct. And if you're an intermittent faster that is on the Atkins diet, I'd probably put some carbs into the system. (laughs) We're not going to go on that topic. Make sure we're fueled up, we're hydrated, and then get to sleep. Charge those batteries, body and bike. Yeah, bike. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think that's it. If you have any questions, throw them down in the comments. We're always there to answer them. Other than that, we appreciate everyone hanging out listening, watching, and we'll catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace.